Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Check one, two, check one, two. Testing one, two. There it is. Uh, Praise God. It's a privilege to be here. Um... Like you said, we're in New Jersey, and I was born and raised in New Jersey, and when you grow up inner city, you know, one of the things you kind of get stuck in is like a box. You don't really go far. So to see after salvation what God has done in my life, you know, being able to go different places, you know, see different cultures, experience different things, it's been a privilege. You know, I'm truly, you know, grateful to be here. Um, I'm honored. I don't take this lightly. It's not, it's not a light thing to be able to speak to a church, to speak to another man's flock. You know, the Bible charges us to take care of this. You know what I mean? So this is a great privilege and honor. I'm grateful for your pastor, for the opportunity. Um, I got spoiled here and went to the U of A game yesterday. It was pretty cool, man. You guys are nuts in there. It was pretty cool to see that, to see the game, to be a part of it. We had a tremendous time. I had an awesome time last night and it just touched my heart to see souls get saved, you know, and that's what it's all about. So I'm really appreciative of that. Um, my wife and I, like you said, we've been pioneering in Jersey for the past five years. We're out of San Antonio, Pastor Uptain. Um, we're kind of about 20 minutes away from Pastor Ruby's church, so we were always over there as well, uh, partaking in the men's classes, the, the revivals, the concerts, uh, whatever you have it. So it's a tremendous privilege to be here, and I'm, this morning, I want to continue the thought of this this focus on youth, this idea, this rally, this, this vision. I want to keep this thought going. So we're going to look in the Bible at Habakkuk chapter 2, very familiar portion of scripture here. And I'm going to have these pictures up behind you. I want to pull up one here as I go through the, the intro, the picture of Charles Lindbergh. About two weeks ago, I was in uh, LAX airport flying back to Jersey. And I was happening to go from, I think, Terminal 4 to Terminal 5. I went underground to walk so I didn't have to, you know, get involved with the elevators and whatnot. And on the way to the terminal, I came across this mural on the wall. Some of you may have seen it, but it was a mural about the, the ev- ev- evolution of aviation, about the history of flight. And they kind of painted a picture for you with these different images of, of, of people that were involved and, and things that happened. We're going to get to this guy here, Charles Lindbergh, in a minute, but the evolution started by saying by the end of the 1800s, the first airships took to the sky. These looked like blimps almost, and you saw this picture of this massive blimp, you know, in the air. This was by the end of the 1800s. By 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright conducted the first successful powered flight. In 1939, the first airport lounge opened in what's now LaGuardia Airport in New York. 1947, Chuck Yeager officially flies faster than the speed of sound. In 1948, family airfare plans are introduced, allowing families to travel together at reduced rates. 
1952, the world's first large commercial jet plane begins flying. By 1958, one million people had crossed the Atlantic Ocean by air, more than steamships. 1961, regularly scheduled in-flight movies are offered for the first time. 1969, Neil Armstrong sets foot on the moon. 1976, commercial flights aboard supersonic aircraft are made available, making trips from New York to London in about three hours. Fast forward to 2013, a record three billion people have flown commercially. It showed us this evolution, kind of in increments. One of the pictures that pulled up was about this man, Charles Lindbergh, in 1927. What was interesting about this man, when I, you know, begin to dive into this man, who he, who he was, I wanted to learn about him. It said Charles Lindbergh was an American aviator. He learned how to fly planes in 1922 after quitting college. He got his start in aviation as a barnstormer, and these barnstormers were pilots who traveled the country performing aerobatic stunts and uh, selling airplane rides. So during this time of of Charles Lindbergh, there weren't too many long-distance flights. The longest distance would be across the Atlantic, but it would happen in stages. Most planes at the time weren't equipped to to travel without stopping to fuel up. So Lindbergh decided to to take a leap here. There was this French guy who had offered a bounty like of $25,000, this reward. Said, if anyone can fly from, from New York to Paris nonstop, I'll give you $25,000. Charles Lindbergh said, challenge accepted. So this man goes with some of his friends, his, his buddies there in aviation. They, they custom make this airplane. They hook it up with some more uh, fuel tanks, uh, another engine. And the plane was called the Spirit of St. Louis. Lindbergh took off from the muddy runway of of Long Island, Roosevelt Field, on May 20th, 1927. It was a 33-and-a-half-hour flight, nonstop. And on May 21st, 1927, Lindbergh, in the spirit of St. Louis, landed safely in Paris. He became the first person to fly solo, nonstop across the Atlantic Ocean. He was only 25 years old. That was a young man who had an impact in the evolution of aviation. Then there was a lady, a young lady, Amelia Earnhardt. We know about her story. What's amazing is here's this young woman born in Kansas on July 24th, 1897. In her days, airplanes weren't common. You didn't really see them. Some say that between 10 and 12 years old, Amelia Earnhardt saw her first airplane. And when she saw the airplane, something inside of her said, I want to fly on one of those. She never lost sight of that. By the time she grew older, she got into flight school. She flew on her first flight in 1920. And she was so thrilled after her first ride, she wrote, as soon as I left the ground, I knew myself I had to fly. And Amelia Earnhardt becomes the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Here she was, 10 to 12 years old, and she caught a vision. Charles Lindbergh, 25 years old, had a vision. These two are a part of why you and I are able to fly across the globe. Because two young people, a young man and a young woman had a vision and made it possible for us today to enjoy this. Can I speak to every young man and every young woman in this place? You can still do this. All the accomplishments haven't been completed yet. 
There's still much more to be done, much more land to be taken. And can I tell you, you can have an impact, but you have to have a vision. Vision describes the basic human emotion that one person attends to be experienced by the people he's interacting with. It is to ground the group so they can actualize some existential impact on the world. I pray that this weekend from the concerts, the sermons, this morning, this evening, if nothing else, you young people catch a vision. And you say, you know what, I want to impact the world, not just my city, not just my country, my state. I want to impact the world for Jesus. For some of you young men, you'll be like Charles Lindbergh. A vision of how you can push the boundaries, set new bars. Some of you young women in here, you'll be like Amelia Earnhardt. Seeing and experiencing something for the first time that would direct the course of your life. And our text speaks of this idea. And we're going to look at this and get into the sermon. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that you would begin to speak to the hearts of young men, young women in this place. Lord, put a vision in their hearts. Give them anointed ideas. Anoint their imaginations. Stir their hearts, my God, to step out on faith, connected with souls being one. In Jesus' name, amen. Write the vision. Make it plain. So that one that reads it will take it and run with it. So in the vision, let's talk about new kinds of weapons for a moment. During the Civil War, it was a time of social, political upheaval. And it was also a time of great technological change. There were adventurers and military men. They devised new types of weapons, such as the repeating rifle. It gave them a new advantage in war. Prior to the repeating rifle... Infantry soldiers, they temporarily, you know, they, they, they had muskets, right? We know the, the, the image, you know, what was this, the Sylvester Flood? What was the guy, you know, the big musket thing has the big hole and they had muskets, right? The muskets, they were able to shoot about 250 yards. But if you wanted to be accurate with the musket, you had to shoot about 80 yards away. That's very close in a war. Then all of a sudden, there were these new type of weapons that had gotten invented. It went from the musket to the rifles. These rifles now were able to shoot a bullet up to a thousand yards. That's almost three times more than a musket. Imagine that. Now you have this rifle. You can shoot farther away, more accuracy. And this began to change the course of the war. It gave an advantage to the ones that had the new type of weapons. Can I tell you, the war was changing which means the weapons needed to change. We're in a war, aren't we? Isn't this still spiritual warfare? Can I tell you it's forever changing? The devil's smart. But God says, you know what? If the war's gonna change, the weapons have to change. Can I tell you, you young people are the new type of weapons. You are the, the evolution of a musket to a rifle. I'm not calling you old guys muskets, but I'm saying You're the evolution. You're able to do things at a different distance, different angle, different perspective that we will never catch. I was in the store one day with a young disciple, 18 years old, and we're we're going. He goes to the checkout, and he gets a piece of candy, bloop, 
right? You know, and, and then he pulls his phone out and he puts his phone on the cash register and walks away. I said, hey, don't steal. That's wrong. He's like, pastor, I paid for it. It's like, no, you didn't. You didn't put your debit card in. He's like, debit card? I got Apple Pay. It's like, what's that? He's like, you don't know what Apple Pay is? No, I don't know what happened. And he's like, Pastor, watch, put your debit card info on your phone. He's like, I'm not doing that. You're going to read my info and someone's going to rob me. He's like, Pastor, I got you. Trust me. He shows me how to do it. And he, I scanned my item. He's like, all right, put your phone right here. And it was, and I saw the thing come up and said, pants. Oh, snap. <laughs> Mind you, I was 31 years old. That's not a big difference. But that's my point. You're the new kind of weapons. You grasp things, you'll catch things to help give us the advantage in the war. Jeremiah 51, 20 says, Thou art my battle axe and my weapons of war. For with thee I will break in pieces the nations, and with thee I will destroy kingdoms. God looks at us as weapons. He says, you're my battle axe, right? You're my weapons of war. But if in the physical sense weapons have to evolve, so much more in the spiritual you will be the new version of a battle axe, the new, ver- the new weapons of war. We're to be God's instruments of warfare, catalysts for change. But vision involves action. It involves taking action. Someone once said the most expensive place on the, on the earth are graveyards. They said it's in graveyards where ideas have died with the holders. Authors, inventors, people who could have changed the world, but they never acted on it and it died with them. Don't let this become a graveyard. God will give you something. Put something in your heart, but you got to act on it. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. There was a young lady, 22 years old. Her name was Brooke Lacey. Back in 2020, when the world shut down, she's from New Zealand. She noticed how young people, the the, the numbers and the percentages of depression, anxiety was starting to skyrocket during quarantine. There were numbers of suicides. So 
During this time, Brooke Lacey said, you know what, I want to do something about this. And, and she, her coming from a background of struggling with depression, she said, I got an idea. I want to make bumper stickers. And I want to make these bumper stickers. I'm going to print about 600 of them, put a simple message on it, put them places like trains, bridges, and next to large bodies of water. And she put one on the back of her car, forgot about it. Months go by. She never really heard a response. She, like, she put an email on the bottom of it. And all of a sudden, she goes to school one day. She comes out, and there's a note on her car. And she thought it was a ticket at first. Like, man, that sucks, you know? <laughs> but she looks at the note, and it was a message of thanks to her. The message on her windshield said, I left my house with a plan to kill myself. And I asked for a sign, any sign, if what I was doing was the right thing. And when I saw your car in the parking lot, I read that message and it changed my direction. So I want to say thank you because you saved my life. At first, Brooke Lacey was like, what are you talking about? And she goes back and remembers, oh, I forgot about this message I put back there. What did the message say? The message on her bumper sticker said, please don't take your life today. The world is so much better with you in it more than you realize. So stay. Her idea led to someone's life being saved. What God will drop in your heart, if you act on it, people will get saved. She acted on it, and a soul is grateful because of it. It was Nelson Mandela who said the words, The brave man or the brave woman is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. I understand stepping out sometimes is fearful, especially when it goes against the norm, goes against the grain. Trust me, I know. I remember when I first started getting into the rap, it was met with resistance. It wasn't received. It wasn't until people started seeing, man, souls are getting saved. This works that it started getting accepted. Yeah, you'll feel pushback, but don't let that stop you. You step out and say, you know what, God, if only one person gets saved because of this, I want to step out on what, what you're putting in my heart. So let's talk very quickly about the vision being challenged and combating the voices. Combating the voices. I think about two years ago, I remember when I started getting back into the music and everything and, and really utilizing it for evangelism and, and our concert scenes. Started putting the music up on YouTube and about two years ago, I got an email. It was from a famous producer. A guy sends me an email. He says, hey, um, I came across your music and I'm impressed and I just want to give you a quick resume. I worked with Chris Brown. I worked with 2 Chains, and he starts naming all these guys, all these people. And he says, I would like to work with you. And I remember reading that. And I would be lying to you if I said, oh, it was just like, oh, no, no, thank you. Can I tell you the voices begin to talk? The voices begin to speak like, hey, isn't this what you always wanted? The voices begin to move. And I really had to combat that and say, no, God, you didn't bring me this far just to go back like this. There were some things I had to fight. This is what will happen when God gives you a vision. I had a vision of how the music was going to be. And all of a sudden, the devil's like, but yeah, but what about this? He will speak. He will try to put things in your way. You'll hear the voices telling you to go backwards. 
the things you once said no to, you hear the voices say yes to that. Oh, so-and-so is doing it, and they're okay, so I'll, you'll hear it. Because the devil hates when someone catches a vision. He can't stand it. You're going to feel the gravitational pull towards the thing God told you to stay away from. You guys ever seen that video of the mattress warehouse where they competed for the Guinness World Book record of the most human dominoes to fall? These people in the mattress warehouse, like big like this, and what they did was they, they duct tape a bunch of people to mattresses and they set them up like dominoes through the warehouse. <laughs> and lo and they pushed the first guy and he's smiling. Like, poof, like, that's not fun. I don't know. Like, and then you just see, poof, poof, like mattresses weigh what, two, three hundred pounds? Doof, doof, all through the warehouse and they're cheering it on. They're, yeah. And they go all through the warehouse. I think it was over about a thousand mattresses. It was the longest human domino uh, line ever. And it was, it was crazy to watch. And I was watching and I said, you know, all it took was for one person to say, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not with this and walk away on his mattress, you know, <laughs> get on his mattress and say, man, I'm not with this, man. And he walks away and the guy would have fell. And guess what? It would have stopped all forward progress. Everything behind would have been for nothing because one person. This is what the voices is about. The devil's saying, you know what? Just pull yourself out because he knows all it takes is one domino to ruin everything in the past and prevent everything in the future. See, God wants to show you something, a vision, but also warn you of the real distractions because He'll try to sidetrack you. The devil will try to bring a haziness and blur your sight. But can I tell you, man, the vision of what God can, what he births in your heart, what you see yourself doing or or desiring to do, it's for a reason. Let's look lastly at submitting to headship. Because who you will be, the vision for your life is directly connected to your pastors, your leaders. Because they see in you what you don't see in yourself. I remember I was working with a young man. He was coming to the church for a while. He was a young guy. He was like 19 years old. And I had got a job, uh, got him a job with me. And one day we're there in the basement. We're cutting out this oil tank and we're draining the oil out. And we're just there talking and talking. All of a sudden he just stops mid-job, like midway. And he's like, what is it, man? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, what do you see in me? I was kind of taken back. It was just random. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you keep inviting me to church. You keep telling me about God and Jesus. And you keep encouraging me. He's like, why? You see me. He's like, I can barely stop smoking weed. I keep doing messed up things. But why do you keep trying? And I got it. I understood what he was saying. And I said, you know what? What you don't understand is... I see in you what you can't see in yourself. So I keep pulling you. I try to push you to the next level because I want you to get there. See, can I tell you, young person, that's how your pastor sees you. When he looks at you, he doesn't just see a young person in church who's, who's just there as a body, a carrier, filling a seat. He says, no, if you would just help, let me. If you would just let me out, the vision, he's like, I can see it. He wants you to see it. 
It may seem like sometimes other people have more to offer you than your pastor. But when things really hit the fan, you'll see how much he's really in your corner. Because he wants what God has for you to come out. This past year, 2020 in the Olympics, there was a man named Hansel Parchment. And this man, Hansel, the morning of his race, he had a transportation mix-up. He's there in Tokyo, and he calls a cab. But when the cab takes him to his destination, he gets out, the cab drives off, and he's looking at the building, and it's not the Olympic Stadium. It's the Aquatic Center. He's like, oh, crap. I have to run in like 20 minutes. He starts to freak out. He's, he's freaking out, and all of a sudden, he said, I saw this volunteer, and I had to beg. He said, I beg, please, can you help me? I need to get to my race. And he said, this lady gave him money to take another taxi. He was able to get to the warm-up track with just enough time to warm up and compete, and he won a gold medal. What's so amazing is he came back after his medal and he, he went on the news and he, and he said, I have to give credit to this lady because what she did was selfless. The outcome without her, who knows what it would have been, but because of her, I got the gold. That's what headship is for, to reroute you, say, no, wrong place, let's go this way, to get you to gold. That's what your leaders are for. The vision for your life is connected to your headship. They will help make you, mold you. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you. I will make you to become something you're not because he sees it for you. The question is, will you go all in? I want to tell you there's something powerful about a young person who has a vision for their life and determined to see it through. You know, back in the 70s and the 80s, skateboarding was looked at and known as resistance and rebellion. That's what they were known at. Fast forward to the 2020 Olympics. For the first time, skating is now an Olympic sport. What happened? They understood if we need to reach the next generation, we need to be involved in what they're involved in. They now had skateboarding in the Olympics. And you know what? There were 13-year-olds winning gold medals. 14-year-old, skating, swimming, you name it. Young people, will you go all in? If the Olympic understands how much impact teenagers can have on the future of their events, how much more does God understand this effect? If you catch a vision, no one would ever thought, 13 years old, I'm too young. Those, those young teenagers said, no, I got a vision. I can see myself winning gold. Will you go all in for Jesus and let him use your life? Do you understand what a full commitment, not only to Christ, but to headship, will fulfill in your life? To the older Christian, I speak very quickly. Do you see your potential to influence them, or is there a disconnect? Do you see what you can do for them? In 2016, Tony Hawk landed the first ever 900 on a skateboard. A 900 is when you go up in the air, you do two and a half full revolutions, land back down. Do you know Tony Hawk at the time was 48 years old? 
He influenced an entire new generation at 40 year, 48 years old. Can I tell you, you still got some left in the tank to influence them. Sitting there playing with Chief. This dude's what, 60-something years old? Making me tired playing basketball the other day. He wouldn't stop running. He's like 60-something. That's not normal. But he understood he had some left in the tank to influence. You got a lot left in the tank. Someone said, you don't stop dancing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop dancing. You got a lot left in the tank. You can still influence them. Let me ask a second question to you older Christians. Can you see the potential in these younger people? Do you see how they could revolutionize this church? All that we've prayed for over the years, all that you've prayed for over the years, God has put the tools right here in your face. It's right here. There was a young woman, Katie Ledecky. She was 24 years old. She was also in the Tokyo Olympics. And she was able to defend her Olympic gold medal in the Women's 800 free swim event with a time of 8.12. Amazing. 24 years old. But during her press conference, she told the media how, you know what, she won this gold because she had help from an older couple in California. During this time, COVID had shut down all the facilities. The facility where she would go to usually practice, her and her teammate, it was shut down. So now here she has the Olympics coming up, but she can't train. All of a sudden, she comes across a couple, Todd Spiker and his wife, Kathy Spiker. And they allowed Katie Ledecky and her teammate to swim in their backyard. They have a 25-yard backyard pool in California. Why? Because years ago, Todd Spiker was an all-American swimmer. He has a legacy enshrined to him. He's a multi-millionaire landlord, Palo Alto, famous swimmer now. He could have looked at her, Katie Ledeck, and said, you know what? I don't have time for you, young lady. I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on. But he saw her knowing he already had his, his time. I got my gold medals. I got my, I got my wins in swimming. But he saw her and said, you know what? This is now your time. And I'm going to open my backyard so you can compete and you can win. Will you open your heart to these young people? Can they swim in the lane of your life? All your experiences, all that you've gained, can you pour it out on them and say, here it is. Run with the vision. Read this and take it and go. Right now, in this place, all of the pieces to trigger a mass revival are here. It's right here. The question is, do you see the vision? Young person, do you see the vision? Older Christian, do you see it? Because if you tap into this, my God, Tucson will see something unprecedented, man. Run with the vision. Very quickly, every head bow, every eye close. No one looking around for a moment. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.